Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Thanks to cheer for. Come on, this is the last message in our current series, You Asked For It. Oh. I know you're upset about it because you're loving this. I'm loving this series, but I can guarantee you that we're going to be back in 2019. In November 2019, we're going to be back again. Why? Because I believe this is a truly impactful series because you've got answers and we've got questions. No, got it wrong, didn't I? You've got questions. And guess what? God's Word has the answers. God's Word has the answers and the requests that you've made. Each week we've been taking the top ones and none of them really have been a surprise because it's almost the same ones each year that we're dealing with over and over again. But I believe this series isn't so important. Why? Because you need to know that the Bible still contains the answers to the questions of today. You see, our goal, here's our goal through this series, is to give you practical truths that will work in your everyday life. Is that cool? Just practical things that you can apply each and every day that are going to work. And this is the way that Jesus taught. People came with questions. They came and asked. And Jesus answered their questions and showed them stories and illustrations. And today we're going to deal with a real powerful subject. We're going to deal with how do I raise my children. How can I raise kids in today's current culture? Now, some of you may check out and say, well, I don't have kids. Okay, well, what's the point of me being? Listen, I'm telling you, we have presented and will present this message in such a way, whether you've got kids or not, probably one day you will. And maybe you're a grandparent and you need to be teaching this to your grandkids. Come on, it works both ways. But I'm telling you right now, we're going to give you principles today that every child of God needs to apply in their lives because we're facing an uphill battle when it comes to the culture of this world. Do I hear an amen? Because as we look around us today, we see this present culture is fighting hard to promote its agenda. It's pushing it down our throat. It's sticking it in our face. It wants to influence us, and it wants to influence our children, meaning what? Affecting their future. And sometimes it feels like we're fighting a losing battle. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Seems like you shut that door and five windows open. And then you shut five windows and then it seems like the roof falls off. And it just seems like we're fighting a losing battle. But that's Satan's design. Because he wants us to feel overwhelmed and defeated. So we'll give up, we'll quit and say, what's the point. I realize this is a different day that we're living in to when I went to school. The struggles and the pressures that I faced, wow, are nothing compared to what our young men and women, our children are facing today. And I certainly don't envy them what they are facing each and every day. But you know, my role and my responsibility is this, I've got to be preparing them. I've got to be preparing them. So that's the question today. Are you preparing them? Are you living prepared yourself? Because here's what I believe and here's what you need to know today. 
Are you ready? No matter what's warring against us. Come on, you need to listen to last week's message on spiritual warfare. Because no matter what's warring against us, God's word still holds the answer for your future. We don't need to know more about the world. Well, pastor, help us. We need to know more. And that's what we're doing. It seems like we're trying to discover more about the world to raise our kids and discovering more about the word. Come on, it's not the world we need. It's the word that we need. It's the truth that sets people free. So we've got to take our focus off the wrong things and put it on the right things. It means we don't turn a blind eye. It's not like we don't know what's going on around. But the world is not our answer. That's the fight. That's the struggle that we're up against. And the Bible says we're in this world, but we don't have to be of this world. So we need to know what God's word says. So to raise our kids in today's culture, we need to know what does God's word instruct us to do? Because here's what you've got to understand. If you don't stand for something, you're going to end up falling for everything. And it's not time to bow, it's not time to bend, it's not time to give up, and it's not time to quit. It's time to stand and be proud of the beliefs that you have. Don't make excuses for God's Word, be proud of the beliefs and what God's Word says. Look at this, don't make excuses, make pathways for your kids to follow. Don't make excuses about God's Word. Be intentional about God's Word and lay out the pathways that your kids will be able to follow. Now, I know that, again, there's a challenge if you don't have kids. And that's why, come on, we're presenting this message. Stay with us today. But are you ready to learn and not be afraid? Look at the Scripture, Proverbs 24, verse 3. It says, through wisdom or by wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it's established. God doesn't want to just build your house. God wants to establish your house. What's that mean? That it will last. That your kids will love God. I pray my kids love God more than I do. And the Bible says that through wisdom and understanding, things can happen through God's Word. It can be established. That's our goal to give you today both the wisdom and understanding. But first, let's identify some of the different parenting styles. You know, one of the parenting styles that most of us who are older, like 40 and up, probably were raised under, and our parents was the authoritarian style of parenting. Anyone remember that? It was the type of parenting that said, I took you into this world, and boy, I can take you out. Come on. Uh, I, can ma- I made you and I can make you again. So don't, come on, that was the thing. Come on, it was more about fear. Everything you were worried, you were afraid into submission. You did things because of the consequences you didn't want to receive. You, you didn't want that paddle. You didn't want that spanking. It was that authoritarian thing. So really the success of that type of parenting was, are your kids obedient? Are they doing right? And that was what was labeled as success, which was good. But yet what tended to happen is kids got good at just doing the right things at the right time, but they didn't really understand what really was right and why it wasn't really right. Then we kind of went flip side. In about the 60s, 70s, we became what is more permissive. Permissive. There was a permissive 
style of parenting. Not the complete opposite, but pretty much drastically heading in that right direction. And the problem we have in life is we live too much in extremes. Because the authoritarian maybe was too extreme, we've got to watch that we don't go too far to the next extreme. And the next extreme is where everyone's a winner. Everyone gets a trophy. We celebrate everyone. Come on, we don't want no one left out because we're raising an environment of love, 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 which is important. We've got to be loved and we've got to feel love and we've got to be liked. But we've got to be careful because in this style of parenting, it was like misbehaving could be labeled as cute. Oh, that's just cute. They just need a nap. We excuse things because of love. And it's amazing. They tell us that the permissive style of parenting has a belief that all kids by nature are good. Help us, Jesus. See, I mean, if you think that right now, just, just let your kids keep growing and you're going to realize. So instead of correcting we almost liberated them. Come on, we tolerated. We let those things go because I don't want to be like my mum and dad so strict, so therefore I'm just going to let them discover life and find life and, and do all of that. But then there's the third type of parenting, which is called the biblical. Say with me, biblical. The biblical is really a good blend of both. Because the Bible says without the rod, you're going to spoil the child. There has to be discipline and correction. But the Bible also says that discipline and correction has to be done in love. It's not done in anger and malice and wrath. But it has to be done in love. But the main difference of the biblical way of parenting is this. That parenting now is about training the heart of your child not about whipping them into submission so they just do the right thing. It's an actual training of their hearts because that's what the Word of God is all about, the heart of mankind. So the biblical style of parenting is this, giving your children the right values and the right morals to live by. Not just a list of do's and don'ts, but why's and how's. Why we don't do that. Why we should do that. Not just yes or no, but giving them, teaching them to know for themselves. It's important. Parents, let me ask you a question. Are you always with your kids? Can you make every decision for your kids? No, because we're not always there. So we've got to train their hearts. We've got to train them to know what's right and wrong. So when we're not there, they're still making those right decisions and those right choices. And that's why it's important. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, train up a child, direct a child, train up a child in the way he or she should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Come on, we've got to train them. We've got to lay the tracks in their lives, the pathways, the beliefs for them to follow and teach that to them. When the world is wearing, warring against us, we've got to teach them the truth of God's Word. And we train them in conflict and we train them in no conflict. Come on, don't just let everything fall apart for it to be a learning experience in your home. Teach them to learn things in the good times too because the right way and the right decisions to make we have to know in the good days and in the bad days. So really the biblical way is to shape their morals and their beliefs. They may not always make the right choices. But you know what Proverbs gives us the promise? They'll know the truth. 
They may not make the right choices and do the right things, but when you train them in the way they should go, they will not be able to shake the knowledge of what they know to be right and what they know to be true. In the life of Jesus, it's amazing, to be honest, that not much is recorded about his early years. In fact, from the age of 12 to the age of 30, one verse, one verse in the entirety of Scripture is used to explain his childhood and growing as a teenager in those early adult years of his life. And that Scripture is Luke 2, verse 52. Look at this Scripture, Luke 2, 52. And it says, and Jesus increased, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. Jesus grew, he increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God and men. He increased in wisdom intellectually, in stature physically, in favor with God spiritually and in favor with men socially. These are four key areas for for having healthy growth and development in our kids, in our lives, to live a healthy life. These are principles that you need to teach your kids. You know we're teaching this from eKids from six weeks, six months, six weeks up to grade five. We are teaching your kids this. We're not just babysitting your kids in eKids. I just want you to know that. You're checking them into a nursery. They're going to be playing with some toys. But someone is going to be reading a story to them today. They're going to be doing a craft. If they're too young to have a story read to them, someone's praying over them. Someone's speaking into their lives. They're instilling biblical values into them. Someone sent us a video the other day of their child sitting on the couch singing a song that they learned in E-Kids. Come on. We're teaching them. We're instilling in them. We're loving them and we're training them. We're also doing it in the older kids. In fact, our curriculum is called 252. Where do you think we got that from? Luke 252. We're teaching them today, right now. Your kids are in a worship service just like we had here today. They're learning how to worship God. Come on, they've got the Word. They're they're having a video message. They're having illustrations given to them. We are preaching and teaching your kids. And then we're breaking them into small groups. You know why we have small groups on Sunday for the kids? Because they don't have cars. They can't get here through the week. So we give them what we have every week where we can drive. We give it to them right here. And you know what's happening in the small groups? Kids are opening up. And they're giving prayer needs and requests. And our leaders and our teams are helping them. They're talking to them. They're training them. Come on, they're giving them God's Word. And it's going to our youth too. We have the greatest youth services ever. And you know when we have them? We have them on a Wednesday night, but we have them every Sunday morning. Come on, this is a great youth service for your kids to be in the house. And they can learn because we're teaching principles every week. That learn, but they've got their own services. We call them experiences because we want them to experience God. Our youth are in small groups. Why? Because we want to break down and we want to get behind the facades and the masks and we want them to know that God's word works in their life. Why are you saying all this, Pastor? Because I'm showing you the method biblically works. And we're following that and we're doing that here. But you know what, parents? We need your help at home. 
I remember many years ago, I read a book by Ron Luce. Some of you remember, if you're older, you remember Ron Luce. I think the ministry he led was Teen Mania. And in one of his books, Acquire the Fire, or whatever his book was called, the first three chapters of his book, I still remember it. And the first three chapters of his book, he wrote from different perspectives. He wrote from the perspective of a young person. He wrote from the perspective of a youth leader. And he wrote from the perspective of a parent. And it was amazing to see the youth leader talking about how what they hear at church, they don't see at home. That they don't see modeled at home the word that they see. And so they're confused. What's truth? And then you hear the words of the youth pastor. How they're so frustrated because everything they're trying to teach their kids, they're battling against it because the parents won't bring them to church. The parents won't get them involved. And they're expecting. And then the parents like, man, they have my kids for one hour Weak, they should be completely changing my kids. Can you see the struggle that we're having? We've got to work together with this. We're creating the environment here, but it's got to work in your homes too. Church ain't just for a Sunday. Come on, church is every day. The Bible's not just something we crack open on a Sunday. The Bible needs to be something that we are living each and every day. You need them to be involved in church. Some parents tell me this, well, my kids don't want to go to church. Well, want for them. Come on, let me say that again. Want for them. I'm going to, how many parents would admit here, your kids don't want to go to school every day? But you don't say, oh, you don't want to go to school? Oh, you don't have to go to school. They don't have a choice whether they go to school or not. You're going to put them there. The same thing needs to happen with church. Well, I don't want to force them. Well, teach them to love God's hands. Show them the example. You be up happy. You can be grumpy the rest of the week, but on Sunday morning, be up with a smile on your face. We're going to church today. Teach them to love God's house. Show them it's fun to serve. You know, I'm so proud of the young people in our church. Do you realize about 50%, that's half if you're not good at math, about 50% of those who serve in dream teams at our church are under the age of 20. Half of the people, come on, let's give it up for them. And I'm so thankful that because that's the key and importance to developing them, that they're building the kingdom of God. But parents, you need to be standing on the doors with your kids. Parents, you need to be serving in the cafe with your kids. You need to be holding a baby with your kids too. Don't just put them and say, someone's representing But I haven't even got to my message yet. This is just the introduction. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's just the introduction. So let's look at four key points today. And for every key point, we're going to have three sub points. That means I'm going to give you 12 points today. That means there's a lot of information. You need to be taking notes. You need to be following on you version and grabbing a hold of this. But I will say this in all these nuggets of truth that we're going to give you. Find one. Just find one today. Because I'm telling you, one of these will change your life. So let's have a look how Jesus grew. First and foremost, he grew in wisdom. The Bible says he increased in wisdom. Which I believe is much deeper than just going to school and being book smart and being clever. It's more than just their intellect. All those things are important and we need to train and develop them. But let me show you three key areas that I believe 
how we can teach our kids to grow in wisdom. Number one, and that is this, we've got to teach them the fear of God. We've got to teach them the fear of God. You may say, well, why is that? Because Proverbs 9 verse 10 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is not fear in the sense of them being afraid of God. Because anything you're afraid of, you don't want to be in relationship with. If you're afraid of a roach, you ain't going in that bathroom. If you're afraid of something, you'll pull back from it. That's not what God wants. God wants relationship with us. So the fear is not, God, I'm afraid of you. But the fear of God is, God, I respect you. And I have a godly worship. I have a, a, a godly awe. I have a respect. Come on, I have a healthy worship in respect for God. And unfortunately today, that's very much lacking. We've got to be careful because as churches, I think we're focused more on the goodness and the love of God at the expense of the righteousness of God. We stand up and preach God loves you and He does. But in that love, God is also a righteous judge and He cannot excuse the sin and the disobedience in our lives. So on one hand, God is loving, but on the other hand, He's a righteous judge. And He cannot overlook iniquity. So He's both love and truth. Now we can say, well, there's a conflict. with No, there's not a conflict when you understand and you're aware of both. And I believe what helps us to bring them together is the fear of God. Understanding the fear of God. What do you mean, Pastor? Because if we have the fear of God in our lives, I don't believe we would say half the things that we say. If we have the fear of God truly in our lives, I don't believe we would post half the things that we post. And I don't believe we would do half the things that we do. Why? Because we don't want to break the heart of God. We don't want to be displeasing to God. God, I respect you. I'm in awe. I'm in wonder and amazement of you, God. And I want my life to be pleasing to you. We've got to teach that, parents. We've got to teach the fear of God again to our children. How do we teach it? By modeling it. By them seeing it in our lives. Psalms 34, 11 says, Come, you children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Parents, that needs to be our mandate. That needs to be something. Come on, children, listen. I will teach you and show you the fear of God. You know how we teach our children in our home? We teach them by simple things, like we just don't talk like that. We don't take the Lord's name in vain. That breaks my heart to hear how flippantly people say, oh my God, and all these kind of things. And we can say, oh, that's just cute. No, that's the culture of this world. And we've got to be so careful because the Bible speaks, we don't take the Lord's name in vain. And we've got to be careful with that. We don't act like that. We don't go to those places. We don't do that. Why? Because we respect and have an awe and relationship with God. Come on, we need to teach that to our hearts. Number two, we've got to accept the Bible as our manual for living. If we're going to teach them wisdom, wisdom comes from God's Word. And we've got to teach them that God's Word, His Bible, is the manual. You've got to make God's Word a part of their everyday life. You need to be reading God's Word. You need to read it with them. You need to encourage them to read it. You need to live God's Word. You need to talk about God's Word. Well, my friend says this. Well, hey, let's see what the Bible says about it. 
You've got to teach them that the Bible is the manual for living. Psalms 119.11, Your word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. The thought they're hidden isn't something you want to lose or something that's lost. It's hidden. We don't know where it is. Let's cover it up and not see it. That's not, not what the thought is. The thought of hidden there is like something that's precious. A precious jewel, a precious something. Come on, you you don't just leave your wallet out on the counter, do you, for everyone to grab it. You hide it away in your purse. You put it in your back pocket. Why? Because you're protecting that which is precious, that which is valuable. That's what God's Word needs to be, precious and valuable. But you know what? In many of our homes today, God's Word is hidden. It's not seen. People don't even know what it is. They have no idea. Look at these stats really quickly through the generations. Bible stats. In the different generations from 1927 to 1945, it was called the builder generation. In the builder generation, they said that 65% of those were Bible-based believers. But notice in the boomers, 1946 to 1964, 35% are now Bible-based believers. In other words, the decisions they're making in life for their future are decisions that are based on God's Word. And incidentally, that generation pretty much is the one that are in ruling right now. They're the ones who are governors, are legislators, in authority right now. But then we would see the next generation of the busters. That was the one I was brought up in, 65 to 83. 16% Bible-based believers. And then the millennials, as we call them now, which is 84 to the present, 4% Bible believers. Do you see the trend? And it's not good. What does that mean? That means right now that the generation that we're living in right now is rejecting God's word at the rate of 96%. So if we're right now under the ruling of those who are 35%, what's going to happen for our future? Unless things change. Unless things change. And we've got to do something about that. And you know where it starts? In our homes. It starts with our families. Because we've got to take our families back to God's Word. And we've got to teach them once again to love it. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And these words I will command you today. And they shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, you've got to talk about God's word to your children and let that be the manual of living. Here, kids, this is what we're going to be raised on. You've got to get it in their hearts. Here's the third thing for wisdom. You've got to guard their minds. You've got to guard their minds. That's a challenge to do today because everything is bombarding them with information. Do you know that on TV alone, by the age of 18, a child has seen over 100,000 sexual encounters? Just on TV by the age of 18. And out of that 100,000 sexual encounters, 91% of that was out of marriage. The average child sees 8,000 acts of violence every year on TV or social media or movies. 8,000. 
And now we've got another thing in the equation, video games and games and all these kind of things. Take it to new heights and new levels. We've got to be careful. It's a, it's a challenge to guard the hearts and minds of our children. Come on. It's a challenge today. But look what Psalm says. Psalms 101 verse 3. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. One translation says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. One translation says, I will refuse to look with approval upon that which is wrong, vile and vulgar. It's not easy, I know today, because everywhere you turn, it's there. It's a big challenge. But parents, you've got to start adding some filters. You've got to start saying, we ain't going to watch those shows. You need to say, no, we're not going to be playing those video games. Everyone else, we need to be protecting and guarding. Oh, it's just fun. Oh, it's something that's... No, 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 no. It ain't fun because the devil ain't playing games. He's playing for keeps. And he wants to destroy their minds. Parents, you need to know what they are watching. You need to know what your kids are filling their minds with. And how does it start? By you watching what you're watching. Set the example for your kids. So number one, wisdom. Say with me, wisdom. Wisdom. Number two, stature. He increased in wisdom and in stature. Of course he grew up. He was big and strong. That's the stature we know. But I believe the stature that we need to be speaking to today is more than just their physical bodies and growth, as important as that is. That he grew in life. In other words, he grew into his purpose. What was his reason for living? What was God's purpose for his life? Parents, it's our role and responsibility to help our kids discover their God-given purpose. And what God has over that. Why? Because your life has meaning. Every one of our lives has a meaning and every one of our lives has a purpose. I love what Paul says in Acts 20, 24, New Living Translation. He says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That was Paul's calling. That was what God had given. And he said, you know what? My life is useless. I I don't want to even live my life. It's worth nothing to me if I can't fulfill the calling and the purpose that God has. There's a calling and there's a purpose upon every one of our children's lives. And it's our responsibility to develop that and to build that. So how do we do it? Number one, we help them to discover their purpose. Speak to that. Encourage that. You know what I like to remind my kids? I like to remind my kids when they leave the house, you're a leader, not a follower. I like to speak that over their lives. Come on, you're a leader. You're the head. You're something special. Watch what you do. Other people are watching, but you are special. You are different. Come on, I want to speak that purpose over their life. That's why we push growth track so much. If you haven't gone through our growth track, you need to go through it as a family. Don't just push your kids. Parents, don't be there without your kids. Go as a family together because give us four weeks and we'll help you discover the purpose that God has for your life, because that's our goal, because we want you to live in that purpose. We want to help you discover what makes you, you. And then what do we do with that purpose? We encourage them to use that purpose to serve other people, because I'm telling you, your life will be changed when you start serving other people. 
You may say, well, they need me. No, you're going to discover you need them. Your life is going to be touched and your life is going to be changed. That's why we call it a dream team, because you can live the dream. You can live your dream, fulfilling your purpose and the plan. You see, in our house, our kids understand that we serve in God's house. Our kids understand that. They see us doing it, but they understand. And it's not just because dad's the pastor. But we're teaching them that they have a purpose too. And they have a purpose to build the kingdom of God. I'm proud of my kids. I really am. Proud of them. Proud of Hannah today. She was the one that was leading worship right here in the middle of the stage today. Proud of her. Leading her us into worship. Proud of Molly. Our daughter Molly leads and helps with our e-kids in the nursery and serves and does awesome there, along with so many other things that she's done through the years. I'm proud of my son, Luke. Luke served you breakfast this morning. He was in the cafe, got up early today, had to remind him this morning the joy of serving God. He wasn't so joyful this morning, but it's okay. He was there. Did he have a smile on his face when he served you breakfast? Did he tell you have a great day? He better. If not, no, I'm fine. But he's not just serving there in the back. He's he's got on a shirt because he's going to be in the nursery serving in the nursery next service. We teach our kids to worship and serve. He's going to be serving. He also works, like I said, in the cafe. He works in creative. He's involved in a lot of different things because he is serving the house. Come on, parents, make sure your kids are involved. Get them involved, serving. Get them in church. Help them to discover their purpose. Number two, pray for divine favor on their lives. Pray that God's favor would be upon your kids. Psalms 5 verse 12, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. What a beautiful picture that God wants to surround us with a shield, that his favor, that his blessing would be all around us. You need to pray that over your kids every day. God, give them favor in everything that they do. God, I want godly favor over their lives because God, I want them to grow into the purpose and the stature and into the knowledge of who you are. And you know, one of the greatest things that will rob them for their purpose, relationships. Third point, are you ready? You've got to choose their relationships carefully. I'm talking to you parents in the house. Are you ready? You got to pick their friends for them. All the kids are hating me right now. It's all right. You're going to love me one day. I can live with it. You're going to come back one day and say, thank you, pastor. You're going to thank me. Come on, parents. You need to friend their friends. If they've got friends on social media, they need to be your friends too, because you need to know what's going on. Because I'm telling you, it's amazing what can be going on and you have no idea. Oh, Johnny and Susie, they would never do that. Oh, well, check and see. You may be surprised, mum and dad. You've got to choose their relationships carefully. And you know why this is so important? Because of this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And so parents, you need to realize this. You, you are called to be a parent before a friend. You know why I'm best friends with my mom and dad? Now, mom and dad are, one, are some of Kelly and I's best friends. You know why they're my best friends now? Because they were my parent when I needed them to be a parent. And my mom said, I'm still your parent, boy. And if I need to, I'll still put you in line. How many knows mom would still do that? Yes, yeah, scared of her, scared of her. But you know what? They were the parents when I needed them to be a parent. And guess what? Now they're my friends. Because now I thank them and I look at them with respect and I say, thank you for raising me. 
But I'm telling you, parents, it's not going to be the other way. If you try to be their friend today, that you're not going to be able to be their. They're not going to look at you with respect because their friend today, you ain't going to be their friend tomorrow. They're going to look and say, why didn't you teach me? Why didn't you help me? I've been a youth pastor. I've been around this for a long time. I know what I'm talking about. And listen to me, they can't be involved in every friendship. They can't be involved in every sport and activity. They can't be involved in everything. You've got to make some decisions for them because they're going to choose wrong many times. But you use it as a learning experience. Here's why we don't do that. Because of this, you teach them through that. Proverbs 13, 20. Come on. They will walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. I'm telling you right now, parents, this is a battle worth fighting. This is a battle worth fighting. I'm going to pick your friends and you ain't going to be friends with them. You ain't going to date them. You aren't going to go out with them. Come on now. You've gone quiet in the house. I know it's because you're taking notes. That's what it is. (laughs) Number three, he grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor. And I know actually God is first, but I'm going to flip it. Favor with men. Favor with men. And again, this is important. Listen to me. This isn't just for parents. This is important for everyone. He grew in favor with men. How we treat others is so important. How we treat others. I I believe how we treat others and knowing the right way to do it will take your life further than you ever could imagine. I love what Pastor Chris Hodges said. I stole this quote from him. He said, if you know how to treat people, you will go further in life than through what you know and the degrees that you have on the wall. You can know everything about math and algebra. You can have every degree you want in psychology, sociology, physics, economics. You can have all the degrees you want. But you know what's going to take you further in life? Knowing how to treat people the right way. You want to know how to treat the people the right way? The Bible has the answers. Come on, you ask for it. Here's the answer. You have the questions, the Bible has the answer. Philippians 2 verse 3, do not be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourself. Be thinking of others as better than yourself. If you want to teach your kids, there it is right there. That's the truth. Come on, don't be selfish. Don't, don't try and impress everyone and live at the mercy of someone else. You've got to be humble and you've got to think of others better than yourself. In other words, others first. Wow, if we could live by that, our lives would be totally changed. If I do this, how's that going to affect other people? How will they feel? I'm telling you, that's so important to treat. Not that we're living at the mercy of other people, but we're considering the feelings and other people. We used to have a song when I was a kid at school, at Sunday school, we used to sing J-O-Y, J-O-Y, surely that must be. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. J-O-Y. Jesus first, yourself last, and others. J-O-Y. That's how you need to live your life. You've got to prefer others first. Teach them that other people matter. And you know how you can back that up? I'll give you three ways. Number one, honesty. Teach them honesty. Teach them to be honest. Parents, can I, can I just share something with you, just in case you don't know this? Your kids are going to do wrong things. If you're expecting your kids to be perfect, they're not because you still ain't perfect. (laughs) All the kids can say amen right there. 
But you know how we can deal with imperfections? You know how we can deal with misbehavior? You know how we can deal with wrong? If you're honest. If you are honest, we can deal with it. But lying will destroy any relationship. There's there's no relationship through lies and dishonesty. If you'll just be honest with me. Kelly and I said that to our kids a lot. You know what? We can't say you're not going to get in trouble, but you're going to get in a whole lot less trouble if you're going to be honest with me. But if I find out you're lying, it's going to be worse off. There's nothing I hate maybe more than a liar. Come on, you can lock up a thief and you can lock up a robber, but you can't lock up a liar. And you've got to be so careful. You see this in Psalms 51. Read it when you get home. But David says these words. He's just sinned with Bathsheba. And he sinned against God. But you know what he said to God? He says this in verse 6, and I don't have it on the screen, but listen. He says, God, you desire the truth in my inward parts. He didn't say, God, you want me to be perfect. Because he knows we're incapable of being perfect. But you know what he knew? God, you just want me to come clean with the wrong what I have done. God just wants you to say, I did it. Come on, we need to teach our kids, fess up to it. If you did it, do it. That's taken ownership and God can work with that. And you and I can work with that. And you know how God can work with that? Because David was a man after God's own heart. He did a lot of wrong things, but he knew how to repent and come before God. Teach your kids honesty. Here's the second one, honor. Are you with me today? Is this okay? Almost done. Honor. Honor. Teach them to honor people. Teach them to honor things. Give weight and value to things. You you know one of the things I told Luke today, and they hate it when I tell us this. Because when they don't want to eat food, man, there's kids starving everywhere. Have you ever used that one, parents? Oh, we don't want to hear about those starving kids. But you know, I said to Luke today, I said, you know what? When you're serving today, someone maybe wasn't able to have breakfast that you were able to give to them. And I says, I know you don't like to hear that, but that's the truth and the reality of the world that we live in today. We're teaching them to have an honor and put weight and value on what they do because people matter. It's others first. We're teaching them. I'll give you a challenge this week. Anyone like a challenge? Go home this week. Get your concordance out. By the way, a concordance is all the, like, the main words in a Bible. If you want to know like honor or you want to know respect or you want to know, you can get a concordance and it lists down nearly all the places in the word of God where that word is. Get a concordance out. You can even get it online and Google or search the word honor. And as you begin to read honor, can I tell you what you're going to find attached to it? Blessing. Because when such and such honored God, God blessed them with this. When they showed honor, come on, when you honor your parents, you're going to have long life. When you honor those who are really widows, God's going to answer your prayers. When you, come on, come on, that's not the right one. When you honor, but there's, look at it, attached to honor is always going to be blessing. But I'm telling you, you're not going to find honor or you're not going to find blessing attached to dishonor. Given honor is so important. Here's the third one, respect. Teach them respect. Teach them to respect authority. Man, I'm I'm just going to go there and some people may hate me for this and and please listen to my heart. I, I think you should stand during the anthem and put your hand over your heart. 
I, I know some people are trying to fight for this and they're trying to display this. And I understand all that. But you know what? Pick your fight with something different because honor that flag because people have died and given their lives for that. Teach them to honor. Teach them to have respect. Teach them to honor leadership. Teach them to honor their teachers. Their teachers may get things wrong. But you know one thing Kelly and I have always done? We don't dishonor or disrespect their teachers. If I've got a problem with their teacher, I'm going to pick up the phone and call them. But my kids ain't going to hear the beef I have with their teachers. Because if I start saying, your teacher's dumb, your teacher's an idiot, what respect are they going to have for them in the classroom? And you've got to begin to teach them respect. Because I'm telling you right now, if you can't give respect, you'll never get respect. If you can't ever be under authority, you'll never be in a place of authority. And parents, we're teaching our kids this. Come on, teach your kids to hold open the door. Teach your kids to wait to speak and not interrupt. Teach your kids not to talk back. Teach them to have respect, respect, respect. And I'm telling you, honor honesty and respect. They're not lost causes. They're just forgotten values of greatest importance. And we've got to bring them back. Because why? Remember, we're teaching them the biblical truth in a culture of lies. And light expels all darkness. Light is greater. Can I, can I ask you right now, what I've presented so far, is there anything that's impossible to do? It's doable, isn't it? So why are we not? Some changes need to be made, but come on, it's still possible. I'm almost done. And remember, you asked for it, just saying. Ready? Last one. Favor with God, favor with God. Jesus grew in relationship with God spiritually. I believe the most important growth in this culture is spiritual growth. I believe there has to be spiritual growth, because if you don't have a backbone, if you don't have a relationship with God, you're not going to be able to stand. I believe, parents, the most, res- the most important ministry and calling that you have in this world is not how successful you are, how big your ministry becomes, how many cars you have and how big your houses are, and whether you've got Dooney, Dooney and Burke or whether you've got Michael Kors or whether you've got... That's not the most important thing in life. The important thing in life is that your kids love God. That your kids love God. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying it because it's truth. And I believe a spirituality is a greater power inside of you. So when the enemy comes to try and crush you, when there's a greater power inside of you, you're going to be able to stand true. We talked about this last week. We're spiritual beings. God made us as a spiritual being and he housed us into a body. So what do we do? We're a spiritual being that has a body, soul and a life. But you know what affects us the most? Our spirit. Our spirit affects every other aspect of our lives. Oh, I know the body, but you know what? The body still can't kill the spirit, but the spirit can kill the body. And so the most important part that we have and what affects the others is our spirit. So we've got to feed that spirit. And feeding that spirit is not just a Sunday thing. You've got to give them Jesus, parents, outside of this house. You've got to bring God's word home. Three things really quickly. You've got to make Jesus the Lord of your home. You've you got to make Jesus the Lord of your home. How you act in here is how you need to act there. Some of you wouldn't dare say the words that you say in your homes in this house. Come on, I'm, I'm just preaching now to you. I'm, coming, I'm, I'm hanging off the platform because I'm coming at you right now. Come on, if you wouldn't do it in here, you don't need to do it at home. 
I said, if you wouldn't do it in here, if you wouldn't say that in here, if you wouldn't act like that in here, you don't need to do it out there. You can ask every one of my kids. Ask them. My kids have never heard me curse. Now, I may have repeated something that someone said, but they have never heard me curse. I hit my thumb. I I bruised all my thumb really bad one day, and Kelly's dad said, did he curse? I'm not standing here perfect. Please understand. Because maybe I've lost my temper. I didn't say I was perfect. But what I'm saying is this. We've got to make Jesus the Lord of our home. We've got to be the same person. Every one of you as parents, but can I really speak to the men? You've got to be the priest and the head of your homes. You've got to take back. You've got to be the spiritual leaders. You've got to be the ones that say, no, we're not going to do that in our house. We're going to honor God. So how do we do that? We put him first. We put him first. We talk about him. We pray to him. We read the Bible. We tithe. We go to church. Come on. Can I say something? We don't do activities and sports on Sundays. We go to church. We don't do lake houses. We don't do boats. We don't do all these things. We do church on Sundays. We have chosen to put God first. Why? Because this is the most important thing. And if they aren't taught that, they ain't going to follow that. So you've got to honor him first. Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Number two, you ready? You've got to show them your love for God. Let them see you worship. Come on, none of my kids can say, Dad don't know how to worship God. Come on, I've seen some of you parents worshiping God with your hands in your pockets and, and just waiting for it to be over. I'm not judging you today, but look at your kids. They've probably got their hands in their pockets looking and wanting it to be over too. Come on, show them your love for Jesus. And there's more ways we show them the love for Jesus than just worshiping. But that's a great way. Because I'm telling you right now, when you begin to realize everything that God's done for you, a heart of gratitude begins to come. And you're going to thank God and you're going to praise Him some way or how. Do your parents, do your kids know that you love God more than hunting? Do your parents know or kids know that you love God more than LSU? Do your kids know that you love God more than your job? Do your kids know that you know love God more than your video games? Do your kids know that you get the picture? Model the passion you have for God, for his acts. You know, every prayer that I pray now in our house, and the kids can tell you this, I say, God bless our children. God bless our home and God bless our church. Because what I'm teaching them is we love God in our house, but we're going to have a love for God's house too. Proverbs 14, 26. Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. Wow, I want God to be a refuge for my children. They will love God to the degree that you love God. Let me say that one more time. They're going to love God to the degree that you love God. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Parents, can you say that? Follow the lead that I have. Follow my love for God. Follow my love. Because they're looking for someone to follow. And if not you, I'm telling you, the culture that they have out there has so many takers. So many people waiting to step into that position. And lastly today, band, you can come back. Sorry, I've gone over today, way over today. I apologize. But you asked for it. Be like Jesus in every situation.
Be like Jesus. I know none of us are perfect. But you know, our desire every day is to be Christ-like. I want to be more like Christ. When I thought about that Christ-like, I want to be more like Christ in the way I talk, the way I walk, and the way I live. Kelly and I aren't perfect in our parenting. There's a lot of things that we're working. God's dealt with me on things that I've talked about today because we're all a work in progress. There's a lot of things I wished I could have done and should have done. Some of our kids right now are working on their testimonies. They're not serving God yet. 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 But you know what? I can lay my head on my pillow every night and I can have peace and trust in God because I've taught them right. We've taught them the Word of God and we can lay our heads on our pillows at night knowing what? They know the way home. They know how to turn back to God because we've taught them. That's a decision that they have to make. I can't make that. If I could, I'd make it for every one of you. But I can't. But come on, I can lay the pathways for them to follow. But you know what we're doing in the process? We haven't cut them off. We haven't said, man, if you're not coming to church, don't bother coming around this house. You know what we're doing to our kids? We're loving our kids. We're saying to them, we don't condone with some of the things that you're choosing to do. But you know what? We still love you. We still love you. Because you know what we're doing? We're showing them Jesus. We're showing them Jesus. And the love that he has. Pastor, help us. Listen. It's possible. It's possible in the culture that we are living in. To still raise your kids to love Jesus. I'm going to say that again. It's possible. It's doable. You are able to still raise your kids to love Jesus. Oh, the world may be all around. But greater is He. You just got to be intentional about it. You just got to do something and you got to keep doing it. And you got to keep doing it. And you got to keep doing it. Would you stand all over this place? Would you stand? Thank you, Jesus, right now, God. Thank you, Jesus.